0: to those who believed in His name. He gave them the right to become children of God. Why? Because you are born again. You have a new life. You are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you. And you have through His divine power everything you need for life and godly living it's there already welcome to first and foremost a weekly broadcast of first presbyterian church in the heart of downtown greenville senior pastor richard gibbons invites you to join us as we study god's word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives this morning we are continuing our series of studies entitled Contagious Church. If you have your Bible with you this morning can you turn with me please to 2nd Peter chapter 1 as we read the first 11 verses together. Simon Peter the apostle is writing to a number of congregations in what we would think of as modern day Turkey and he writes this his second epistle and he begins with these words. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Have you ever found yourself in the situation where God has clearly been at work in your life and you have been unaware of it until he reveals himself? And that's what Peter is encouraging the folks that he is writing to in this his final epistle. And he's saying to them, watch out for God at work. And that's our theme this morning as we continue this series of Contagious Church, asking ourselves what is contagious about the call of God on our life? Over the last couple of weeks, and I won't go into them in great detail, we've asked ourselves what is a contagious church? And we've asked some pointed questions. What is it that defines us as a congregation? What are those core values? that are distinctive? What is it that lies at their heart? And our first Sunday together, we spent some time looking at that and said a contagious church will always, always be a place of grace. Always a place of grace. It's always a place of learning where we ask some tough questions. We challenge ourselves from the Scriptures. Thirdly, intrinsically, essentially, it is a place of engagement with God. And if you are visiting this morning and thinking, what kind of congregation is First Pres? It is a congregation who intentionally, in a Sunday morning, come expectantly, come with great anticipation to engage with the living God. Our second Sunday together, we asked what was contagious worship like, and we believed from Scripture it was worship that is engaging, worship that is focused on God alone last sunday morning we looked at what is godly leadership and we said godly leadership always always is birthed and then grows in a godly relationship and it's that theme of godly relationship and what does it mean when god puts his hand in our lives and calls us to himself what does that look like and so with all that in mind we come to second peter And if you're saying this morning, Richard, is there a key to 2 Peter? There is. And it comes in the verses immediately after the passage we read. and verses 12 and 13 of this opening chapter, Peter says this. He's writing to encourage them. He's writing them to grow in their faith. And he's also saying this. I am writing to remind you of what you know already in order that you may be further established in the truth and wonder and grace of the gospel. That's the key that unlocks Second Peter. And he also adds to that point, rather, he says this, that he doesn't have many more months to live. And he says, the Lord Jesus has told me that my life is coming towards its end. And so here you have the second letter of Peter to these churches in Asia Minor. And it's his final letter of all time. And he's writing to encourage them and remind them of what God has already promised to them. And so with all that in mind, let's look at verse 3 of chapter 1. And he says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." And it's those opening words that I want us to focus on this morning. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God's provision is already there. And you may be tempted this morning to say, Richard, I'm hearing what you're saying. I've got it. I see it written in the Scriptures. But quite honestly, I have had a tough couple of weeks I have been challenged in areas of my life because of the circumstances I'm living in that I never thought would be a challenge. I've prayed and prayed over a particular issue, and it's no longer, well, it's, it's simply this. It's unresolved, and it's becoming overwhelming. And I'm not quite sure I can manage much more, and yet this morning I've come, and you have almost the impudence to say, it really is okay, God has given you everything you already need. Richard help me please to join the dots this morning because it doesn't feel as Peter is describing that I have that kind of power. Look at it again. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And you may well be saying Richard that is easy to say it's another thing to live it. And you may be saying Richard I hear what you're saying but let me push back again. There are days when I think, if only I prayed more, if only I trusted more in the midst of difficult and threatening days, if only I could organize my time better, if only I had a better relationship with my children or my parents, if only, if only, if only. And if that describes you this morning, come back to the passage and look at it once more. He says, His divine power... That's strong language. That's quite something. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. It is already there. God's provision has already been made for us. So why do we end up at times saying, I know what the Scripture says, but that's not my experience. In reality, it's very different. There are times we are tempted to say, but Father, we are devoid of any kind of power in our lives. It just seems that everything is overwhelming. Well, look at the passage again, because there's more to the passage than meets the eye. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But notice what comes next, through our knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and goodness through our knowledge of Christ. That's the point Peter's making. You already have everything you need. Every time you are threatened, he promises to be present and comfort us and encourage us. He's promised that not only does the Holy Spirit live within us, but the divine power of the Holy Spirit is working in and through us. Through what? Our knowledge of Him. And so when I find myself wrestling with difficulties and problems and challenges in my life, when I try to solve them in my own strength, that's when I'm in trouble. That's when I'm devoid of power. That's when the challenges become overwhelming. Overwhelming. Peter is clear. They come in and through our knowledge of Him. When we enter into intimacy with Him, when our prayer life is active and real and a blessing to us, it's through our knowledge of Him. And so when we're devoid of power, when things are not working well, the first question we ask is this. Father, have I been as close to you this week as I ought? Am I able to see you at work in ways I could never imagine? Am I seeing in my own walk with you, you at work, or am I still trying to do it in my own strength? And Peter is crystal clear. And remember, what is the key to unlock his letter? It's this. I am writing these things to remind you of what you know already. And I am writing them in order that you might be more established in your faith. That's the point he's making right here. In fact, Peter goes a step further. And he reminds us of what is one of the great doctrines of the faith. And it's called union with Christ. And union with Christ in essence means this, that when a person hears the gospel and begins to understand something of the wonder and grace and majesty and glory of God, and they begin to realize His love for them, and they hear the contagious call of God upon their life, and they give their heart and life to Christ, at that point the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within them. And they are united with Christ for the first time. And union with Christ means this, and we've touched on it in the past, but it's essential for you to get it this morning. It's this, that the same divine power The moral and the supernatural power that brought Christ back from the dead lives in us, in and through the Holy Spirit. And that is taught across the New Testament. It's hinted at in the Old, but it is in clear, crystal clear terms throughout the New Testament, our union with Christ. And in fact, the Apostle John says it this way, John's first 16 verses of John's gospel are known as John's prologue. And they contain some of the most profound theology and biblical writing to be found throughout the Scriptures. And John says this, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Why? Because you are born again. You have a new life. You are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you. And you have, through His divine power, everything you need for life and godly living. It's there already. But Peter makes the point. It comes in and through Him. Now remember who is writing. It's Peter. And Peter is writing 30 years after the death of Christ. The night he was arrested, who was it that followed Jesus to Pilate's forecourt? It was Peter. And when Jesus needed a friendly face, when he needed someone to support him and encourage him and be there with him, what does Peter do? Peter walks away and he denies him. And in fact, Matthew's gospel tells us he went outside and wept because he realized he had betrayed Christ. And that entire weekend, up to the point of resurrection, I think Peter was distraught, depressed, overawed that all that had happened, and could not imagine life going back to normal. His life was at an end. And now, 30 years later, he is writing, you have everything you need for life and godly living. And he's writing from personal experience. He's not writing like an ivory tower scholar who has no experience of real life. He's saying the opposite. I know what it means to be refreshed and renewed and allowed to begin again and I want you to grasp this, and I want you to be established in it, and I want you to remember it. That's what Peter is saying. Please also note this. He is saying everything you need. Not everything we want, but everything we need. When it feels as if life is overwhelming, the Holy Spirit will be there when it feels as if we have sinned so badly that God will never want anything to do with us again, He will come along and pick us up and dust us off and hold us close and say, I know, I know, but I still love you and you are mine. And then put us back down, and tap us in the head and say, remember you have everything you need through your knowledge of Him. What a spectacular chapter this is. I think some of Peter's best writing is right here. And then he moves us on verse 5. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For this very reason, make every effort. And when I was preparing for this morning, the image that came to my mind was someone going into the Olympic Games. For here is a young athlete who probably was attracted to their sport when they were 10, 11, 12 years old. And parents would get alongside them and encourage them. And a coach at school would encourage them and say, well done, keep going. And they would get up at 5 and 5.30 on cold, wet winter mornings and go to the gym and spend hours in the pool developing their stroke or running or weightlifting or cycling. And they would be careful what they eat. They would go to bed early and get up early in order to shave seconds off their time, all in the belief that they could conquer themselves and be good at their sport. And if you know anyone who has participated in the Olympic Games, they go in with one vision in their mind. And the vision is this, that by the end of their discipline, three people will stand on the podium and they imagine in their minds that they will be there with the gold medal around their neck and putting their hand on their heart, and the audience will rise, and the flag will rise, and the national anthem will play. You can just imagine the pride and the sense of fulfillment. That's what's driving them on. Make every effort. That's what Peter is saying here. Don't give up. Keep going. And when you keep going, he will encourage you. He's given you that power. Donald Carson, writing an outstanding book about seven or eight years ago now, wrote these words, and I've shared them with you before, so please forgive me if they're redundant, but they certainly seem appropriate this morning. And he writes this, "'People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from God's enabling grace, we do not gravitate towards godliness or prayer or obedience to the Scriptures.'" We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and we call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and we call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of the loss of self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. And Peter says the very opposite. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And before we finish this morning, let's jump down to verse 10, because I couldn't possibly finish this passage without what we see in verse 10. And he writes, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be all the more eager to make your calling an election sure. And what is Peter saying? He is simply saying this: Work in such a manner that your walk equals your talk. Don't say one thing and then live in another manner. Let your walk equal your talk when the contagious call of God impacts our lives, it doesn't impact her life for an hour on Sunday morning, but it impacts all of our life for every waking hour, and it impacts our speech pattern and it impacts our thought process, and it impacts our relationship with our children and our grandchildren and family members. It impacts how we act in our neighborhood and how we act at work, and the Christian will always, always, always aim to do what? To add to your faith goodness and kindness and knowledge, and self-control, and godliness. And that's how we make sure our calling is an election. Sure, you see it in our lives. Let me close with an illustration, if I may. Before I get to the illustration, a warm welcome to our new members this morning. I am just thrilled and delighted that you're here and participating It's an incredible thing for folks to step up and enter into commitment and take a step of faith and say, this will be my spiritual home. This will be my church, a contagious church who engage with the living God. And that's certainly our prayer for you. And one of the exciting things on any Sunday of meeting new members and welcoming them is this that they will go to the first Luke class for three one-hour lessons. And on the middle Sunday, they come over to my house on Sunday evening, and we simply hang around the kitchen and enjoy cake and juice and various things. And whenever I meet new members, I ask two questions. And the first is this, tell me a little about your background. Do you come from Greenville? Tell me about children. Are you grandparents? Where do you live? Were you brought up to go to church? And my second question is always the same. What attracted you to First Presbyterian? 75% give the same answer. I have a friend who goes there, or I have gone to a Bible study at some point. And last Sunday evening, when I asked a couple what was the initial attraction, the answer was fairly similar, but it was the second part of the answer that really captivated my imagination. And the lady said, I'd gone to Bible study a few times and always enjoyed it, and I have a number of friends. And then they said, we came last May for the first time. and We sat through the morning service, and after the service was complete, we got into the car, and when we sat there, we looked at one another and could have wept. I said, well, tell me a little more. And they went on to talk about what it means to be part of a church that lifts up Christ. And in spending time in the Scriptures, their hearts and souls had been nourished and nurtured by God's Word. And in essence, they said, we've been each Sunday since, and we're loving it. That's when you know that a contagious faith and a contagious calling come together, and it infects every area of our lives. And this morning, as we wrap things up and go into a new week, let me ask you this, that when you are tempted to say, I can't keep going, that there's no point in my faith, that God never answers my prayer, and it seems as if all of life is just overwhelming at the moment, let me encourage you with all my heart that come back to this passage again and again and again and remember the truth and the clarity of God's promise. His divine power has given you everything you need. And He gives it to us abundantly, and He lavishes it upon us, and He calls us into that place of great intimacy in order that we might develop our knowledge of Him. That's what it means to receive the contagious call of God. That's what it means to be excited by our faith to be part of a church who are life-giving and life-affirming. And may it be true for each one of us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this remarkable passage of Scripture. And it never seems that to surprise us that each Sunday as we gather, your word speaks to us and refreshes us and renews us. Father, thank you for this passage from 2 Peter. Help us please to live in and through it in order that we might increase our knowledge of him who has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Father, seal your word to our hearts this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us for the first Presbyterian Academy Fall Festival on Friday, October 30th from 5 to 8 in downtown Greenville. Kids in preschool through middle school will enjoy games, inflatable, zoom ball, laser tag, hot dogs, shaved ice by nomadic few, and much more. There's a silent auction and casserole sale for parents and music by the North Greenville University Bluegrass Band. Admission is free with ticketed activities. For details and directions, visit firstpresgreenville.org or call 864-235-0122.